0: It's great uh, that you're logging on and having a look at this as we try to summarize what we looked at on Sunday in the teaching so that you can be up to speed and participate fully in small groups and just help with your reflection and learning and growing. Our vision and our goal for our own lives uh, as we read the Bible, as we follow Jesus, is that you and I become from the inside out a woman or a man who is able to live in the way of Jesus, to love the way he loved, to live the way he lived, to serve the way he served, to worship God the way he worshiped God, but to do that as the formed you or me from the inside out. So you don't have to become anyone else. You have to become all that you were created to be in Jesus Christ. As this book that we're studying says, The good and the beautiful you. So God's plan is to make you and me good and beautiful from the inside out with the goodness that comes from Jesus and looks like Jesus. We started off thinking about the process of transformation and say, how do we actually change? How do we learn? How do we grow? And we thought about how we learn and grow in any area of life. Say, for example, you wanted to learn to speak German you would have to first admit that you had a need, that you didn't know how to speak German. You'd have to acknowledge the shame of the not knowing so that you could then come to know. You'd have to ask for help. You'd have to ask for help from an expert teacher, someone who was fluent in German who was also able to teach you. You'd have to put in the time. You'd have to persevere. You'd have to deal with setbacks. You'd have to prioritize it. You'd have to understand why it was important for you And you'd ideally do it in community. You don't learn a new skill by yourself nearly as effectively as you learn it in community with a group of others. So it's the same with our spiritual growth. If you and I want to grow and learn a new skill, a new skill of loving like Jesus loved and serving like Jesus served, if you want to learn this new way of life all the same stuff applies we need a vision of where we want to be we need to we need someone to teach us we need to do it in community we need to embrace failure and the shame of not knowing at times so that we can ask for help it's the same process there is no magic to christian growth we sometimes think there is that the really spiritual people the folk who've really grown are somehow they've some different access to god than you or i have or they've there's been some magic but it's not there's a clear process that the Bible outlines and human experiences discovered and built on over thousands of years, a clear process that if we train for it and we follow this process, we grow spiritually. And conversely, if we don't, we won't. So talking to somebody who was thinking about church and I was having a long chat with them about their spiritual growth and they said to me they, they couldn't commit to coming to church regularly, but they'd come Christmas and Easter and that was a that was a pretty good thing and i said well that's better than nothing and then we talked and talked and talked we talked all about the sort of f- spiritual formation growing in christ likeness connecting with god and after a, after a long conversation they looked at me and they said you know i've just been thinking if if i if i only come on christmas and easter i probably won't get the outcomes that i'm after and i said well that's right because it would be like signing up for the gym and saying i want to get really fit but i'm only going to go to the gym twice a year It doesn't deliver what you want. So I said, everyone's welcome, Christmas, Easter, however frequently or infrequently you want. But if you want to grow, there's a process. And part of the process is attending, participating in this community. So that's that's what we looked at on Sunday. Now, we looked at how do we change? Well, the process of change. You need the vision, you need intention, and you need means. So you've got to to have a clear vision of what it is that it would mean for you to live the life that Jesus wants you to live. And you need a vision of God and his kingdom and his glory and his goodness. You then need the intention. So you have to intend to do it. Nobody else can provide the intention for you. Only you can your friends, your church, I, the Bible can put before you a vision but unless you intend to move towards that nothing will happen so an intention is about a commitment to act on the basis of what you know to be true and to move towards this vision and then the last thing which is often overlooked is you need the means to do this you actually you need the tools, the skills, the means to grow now the beautiful thing is that If you want to become like Jesus, there's a clear vision of what that looks like in the Bible. If you intend to do it, to pursue this vision, the means are also available. God makes the means available to us. Let's have a look at what some of those might be. So we, this comes from Jim Smith's book, the means of growth, the transformation. We are given the Holy Spirit to indwell us. God doesn't leave us on our own. He doesn't leave us to pull ourselves up by our bootstraps somehow to become somehow super religious without him. He says, no, I'll give you my spirit, my very breath, my person to live within you. I will then... You, the means, the key thing is to adopt the narrative of Jesus, the story of Jesus, the, the way Jesus sees the world, the stories that the Bible tells us about what it is to be good and beautiful, what is true, what is false, how the world really works. And then we're to engage in soul training exercises. No one achieves anything in life without training, and that is true in every area as we looked at. It's certainly true in our spiritual lives. So we'll be looking at soul training exercises. Sometimes these are called spiritual disciplines. Jim Smith, in his book, recommends avoiding that term because it sounds like it's hard work and it's awful and we want to avoid it. Who wants discipline after all? But you can train your soul, and then we we need to participate in community. This is how we grow You can't do it by yourself. We're made to grow with others. So let's have a think about what that actually looks like. And the first point to make is that you have a soul. Oh, sorry. Let me back up. To get the most out of the series, here are six things to do prepare find a journal or a notebook hopefully even now you're taking notes listen to each talk read the chapter catch up in this catch-up form complete the weekly exercise you'll notice in the chapter and in the book and in the talk i'll give you a week there'll be a weekly exercise reflect make time to complete your written reflections interact talk to people come to church into your small group discussion group prepare to listen and to share and Probe with each other what this really means. And then encourage each other to connect outside of the group time. Get onto our social media platform, Circle. And if you're not on Circle, let me really strongly encourage you to do that. Let's make that the place where we encourage each other. Grab a coffee with someone. Ask them how their soul is. And maybe they'll ask you how your soul is going and how you can encourage each other in this journey. Okay, so let's keep moving you have a soul the bible's really clear you have a soul but the question is what is a soul this is ah where's it gone? Here's a little picture from Dallas Willard that is a way of conceptualizing and thinking about our existence as human beings. The first thing is at our very core of our being, we have a spirit or a heart, that part of us that is able to make choices. That It's not a massive part, but it's an unbelievably significant part of who we are, that you and I can choose. Choose between good and evil, between right and wrong, and that makes us like God. We have a mind, thoughts and feelings that help us engage with the world and know what to choose. Our minds are wrapped up in our bodies. And Noni will talk about that as well. Our bodies are embedded in a social context. We exist always in the context of other people. We're, we're conceived and brought into the world through a pairing of two persons. We are always exist in community. And then around the totality of our being, spirit, mind, body, soul, social interaction is our soul and the soul is that part of us that is us as a whole that is that captures every part of us including our social context but through all of that is also open to this infinite environment open to God our soul is the part of us that is made for God made for infinity made for eternity that captures who we are it's the most fundamental part of us the soul, we all understand there's a soul but actually, trying to go from sort of precognitive, intuitive understanding and experience of our souls to, to sort of understand it grammatically and philosophically and phenomenologically and psychologically, that's harder. But the Bible's clear you and I, we have a soul. Um, so, for example, Psalm 42 says this, right? As the deer pants for the water, so my soul longs for you. Here's Here's what Jim Bryan says. I've come to believe that our soul is the most essential, precious thing about any of us. And paradoxically, our soul is something we are the least aware of, the least concerned about, until our lives begin to fall apart. I've come to believe that our souls help to save us, not in and by themselves, but because their needs can drive us to God, who alone can save us, and to the things only God can provide, which is quite a profound way of thinking about these things Um, so there is a there's a difference we talked about between the soul and the self and the the false narrative the false story of the world is that you are a self without a soul and the self is this the self is a construct that is built on the narrative that says you are an accidental carbon-based life form that is here today and gone tomorrow the self is an isolated individual. As such, the self is primarily interested in survival and finds its value in how it looks, what it possesses, and what others say about it. The self thrives on the currencies of money, sex, and power, on resumes, branding, accomplishments, notoriety, physical appearance, and entertainment. That's the self, and doesn't that capture it? And we we live for that, right? Right. The Bible's narrative, the true narrative, is you have a soul. As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, the living God, which is amazing. That's how God has made us. What's your soul? Your embodied soul is your founding life form. The Latin word for soul is animus, where the word animate comes from. Your soul animates your life. Your soul gives life to your body. Your soul is the wellspring of your spiritual emergence from birth to death. Your soul is a non-physical substance, but it's very real. God breathed your soul into you, and the Lord God formed man and woman out of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. Your soul's a gift. It can be neglected to your peril or it can be nurtured and nourished to your salvation. Your soul can be saved, but it can also be lost. For what is a man profited if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? This is, this is what Jesus says. Here's a really bad trade. You can, you can pursue what the self needs. You can buy the story that real life, a good, beautiful, true, flourishing life of the self is about money, about sex, about power, about brands, about appearance, about status. And to get those things, Jesus says, you and I will be tempted to trade our souls. And he says that's a terrible, terrible trade. Don't do that. Your soul is the most fundamentally important thing about you. Don't, don't trade it for, for, for the whole world. Your soul, my soul, is more valuable than the entire world. You and I are of infinite value. And so we need to understand that and believe that and live that story out, which is what this series is all about. Your soul was created by God and breathed into your body. It was made by God Jeremiah 1.5, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. You were intended before the foundation of the world. Your soul is the essence of who you most deeply are. The Trinity is the creator of your embodied soul, created in the image of God. It's the bridge between your essence in God and your existence in the world. Your soul is your deepest nobility and what makes you sacred and precious and valuable. So that's the introduction to the soul. And what we're going to look at going forward is what does it mean to take care of our souls and to meet the needs of our souls. There are 10 things that harm our souls and 10 ways God can meet the needs of our soul. We'll start looking at those next week. But right now, I wanted to, tell, to speak to you about the soul training exercise. Now, you might think, oh, exercise, I don't want that. Well, good on you. You don't have, this isn't onerous. For this week, the exercise is holy leisure. Holy leisure. Holy leisure is the discipline of saying you will just sit and do nothing with God for one minute, two minutes, five minutes, ten minutes, two hours and not reading, not planning, not watching TV, not doing, just being with God. And this is to trail train your soul to accept and live in the reality that all of life is a gift. Everything you and I have comes from God as a gift. We can't control the outcomes all our running around and doing won't secure the good of our souls. Only God can do that. So experiment this week with the soul training exercise of holy leisure. Join a small group. Join a discussion group. Pray with someone. Pay attention to your soul. And I'm so excited about the vision that God has given me for my life to be an embodied soul that is transformed into Christ-likeness. and then, and then a vision of what this might mean for all of us to be a community who are on that journey. Like how wonderful that will be. So God bless. Have a wonderful, wonderful week.